hey, uh, you, you, I think you guys have a good thing going on here. What do you think? Yeah. Kind of like your pastor? What, you want to have a debate about it or what? <laughs> Do you like your pastor? Yeah. Woo. <laughs> that makes me nervous. <laughs> All right. Well, great. We're glad to be here. In fact, is we're just glad to be anywhere. I had a stroke eight days ago, so I'm just glad to be anywhere. And my wife is still tolerating me, and that's a good thing. Now, if I forget where I'm at, don't pay any mind to me. It'll come back. All right. Where am I? No. <laughs> so... Uh, We've, you just have to laugh at some of the things I've done, so it's um, the way it goes. And um, so we're thrilled to be with you, and Rhonda loves missions, and she loves the Lord, and uh, so you have a wonderful DS's wife, however you want to say that, and so I'm glad she's tolerating me for going on 36 years. She's going to get an award in heaven. It's going to be an extra crown, <laughs> just saying. If you have your Bibles, uh, you want to turn with me? Years ago, uh, when iPhones, well, the smartphones were coming out, we had a teen section over here, and, and they'd all, you know, the front row, they're all, they're all good because I'm right there. You know, there's that back section of rebellion that they thought like they were getting away, so they'd pull their phones out, you know. It's kind of like some of you during church. You know, you sit behind somebody and you pull your phone out and say, I was texting. What was he preaching on? Oh, yeah. So, so they were doing this thing. And I, one day I said, would you guys please put those phones up? You're driving me nuts with those. Pay attention to the message. Nowadays, I'm going around saying, would you please pull out your iPhones, your, your, your computers, your iPads. Please, anybody can get into whatever you can get into, get into the Word. So, so I'm saying to you this morning, uh, open up whatever you got. All right? And uh, let's turn over to Judges chapter 6 if you want to jump ahead of me on this. And that would be great for you to, to get ahead of me on. Well, as we go through life, all of us have had people who have uh, not honored us. In other words, they have treated us wrongly. They've accused us of things. They've done things. We've been treated unfairly. And all of us have those situations that we have in our life where it's kind of tough to be around some people because you just think, oh, I have to go there. And so we all have people who have wronged us and hurt us. And, and because of that, it's kind of put a capsule around us. And maybe it's kept us from being what we really could be. And those people who have hurt both you and I, they have no regard for what's right or what's wrong. They just did whatever they wanted. And they left you behind as if it was your fault anyway. And they left you in the muck and the mire because it was, if they have anything to say about it, it really was your fault. It was, they'll take no ownership in it. So Judges chapter 6 starts out with that mindset when Scripture says that then the sons of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. In other words, they did whatever they wanted to do. It's kind of like in today's society where we have no right or wrong, we have no black or white, we have no moral compass. What is good for you could be wrong for somebody else, and that's okay. When we look at the major issues that we're facing in our nation and we, we look at society and we say, well, you know what, what whatever you want to do is fine with me. I, I really don't uh, want to push my values into your system. And so we just do whatever makes us feel good. And the Bible says that the nation of Israel was in that position. And so out of that, God said, well, because you are going to have that attitude, I'm going to have to bring in the Midianites and you're going to have to be in slavery for seven years. And so the nation of Israel is in slavery 
in this time period. And that's when we pick up in verse 11 of chapter 6. And so uh, the Bible says, Then the angel of the Lord came and sat under the oak of Oprah, which was belonged to Joash the Abrazite, and his son Gideon, and was beating out wheat in the winepress in order to save it from the Midianites. Now, I just read that, and, and you probably went, okay, that's really nice. What does that mean? Well, you just, we just blew past something really important. I mean, we went... And so let me go backwards. So let's look at that passage just a little, a little closer. What's going on? Okay, there's a guy by the name of Gideon. And what is he doing? Look at your scriptures. What's Gideon doing? You have your Bibles open. What's he doing? He's threshing wheat. Now look, where is he threshing wheat at? A wine press. Where are wine presses? Wine presses are in the bottom of valleys. Wine presses are not on top of the hills. You thresh wheat, where? On top of a hill. He's threshing wheat in a wine press. And you want to go, there's no wind down there. Be pretty nasty working. Threshing wheat, if you ever hauled alfalfa hay in the summer, you know what I'm talking about. You just finish and you're just black. Nasty work. Gideon is in the wine press in the bottom of the valley threshing wheat. He would have been absolutely nasty when he should have been on top of the hill with the breeze threshing wine press. There's something wrong with this picture. There's something wrong in verse 11. Something's wrong with my... There we go. And so in this process... Here finds Gideon, and he's doing something that he should have been doing on top of the hill. And may I suggest to you this morning, he was doing the work in the wine press, not on top of the hill, because Gideon was afraid. Otherwise, he would have been on top, but he was down below. And I, and I think that in his life, I don't know all was taking place, but you can see that fear has gripped his life. And then all of a sudden, this, this guy shows up, and he's talking to, to Gideon. <laughs> you know, God finds us in the weirdest places. He, he goes to where we're at. Well, we should have been on top of the hill, but we were in the wine press. Well, we should have been at this family thing, but we were over here. Well, we, we didn't go to church that day. We went over to this deal. We, we were at work, and... We were on the farm, and we were in the truck, and we were in the car, and all of a sudden, God shows up. Have you ever been singing a song in your car, and God shows up in the car? I mean, you just start worshiping, and you're like going, woo! And then you realize, oh, I'm, I think I just passed where I'm going. <laughs> you ever done that? God shows up in the weirdest places, at the weirdest times. And so God shows up here. But you see, I want you to see that Gideon is, is hiding from the Lord. Unless you become too self-righteous in this moment, you too have hid from the Lord. Maybe you hid from the truth. He was speaking truth into your life and you found yourself trying to hide from him. Maybe you hid from the pain that you didn't want to face. It was right there in front of you. It was all around you. and It was surrounding you and you, you did your best to try to push it away. And maybe some of you this morning, you've hid from your past. 
If you could, you'd go back and you erase it. You'd get rid of it. You'd delete it. But you can't. And this morning, every once in a while, you have reminders of the past. And you want to get rid of it. You want to hide from it. But you can't. It's, it's always there. Or maybe you hid from what would be your future. You looked at what was potential and you said, I really don't want to go there. I don't want to be like that. I don't want to go there. I don't want to face that issue. You see, we have all hid in our lives, have we not? So in verse 12, the angel of the Lord shows up. And it says, the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you, O valiant warrior. And so when he speaks these words into his life, he he does not speak to them in a language that deals with the past. And he does not speak to them in a language that deals with the present. He speaks to them in a language of the future. And he says to him, oh, valiant warrior. And you go, hmm. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read that and I'm thinking, okay, this guy is supposed to be on the hill. He's supposed to be a warrior. He's down in the wine press. He's hiding from everybody else. And this angel of the Lord is saying to him, oh, valiant warrior. I want to say to him, I'm not for sure who he was talking to. Must have been a second guy down there. Because it sure wasn't Gideon. Because Gideon's hiding from the Lord and from the enemy. He's like he's a big sissy hiding away from God. But God has the ability in in your life and in my life to let go of the past. And he begins to speak into our lives, into the future. And he deals with the future. In other words, God's memory is short termed. So God doesn't go around in your life going, well, you know, I remember when you were 20 and you did this. And I remember when you were 40 and you did this. And I remember when you were 60 and you did this. And I remember when you were 13 and you did this this one. And and he doesn't say, hey, guys, come over and look, look look at the memory on this guy. I mean, this girl, you wouldn't believe what she was doing when she was 16. Watch. He doesn't do that. He's not around going around pulling up the memory sticks in your life going, oh, what a failure they are. God has this short-term memory. And we believe that when Jesus Christ comes into our life and forgives us of our sins, that the blood of Jesus Christ covers us. And so God, when he looks on our life, he cannot see the past. He only sees the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. We then are sealed in him, bought by his blood, redeemed by his blood, and we have the bloodline of Christ now not only over us, but flowing in us. So we stand in this newness, in this new authority that he has for us. You see, in Satan, he comes into your life and he begins to remind you of your past. And he talks to you and he taunts you. May I say to you this morning that the next time that Satan comes to remind you of your past, that you should remind him of his future. You see, too many of us, we've, we've bought into what somebody said to us. Somebody said to you, some time, in some place, in some room, you'll never amount to anything. You're the most worthless person in the world. 
Why would you want to go to school? You know you'll flunk out. Why would you ever want to get married? You know you'll be a terrible spouse. Why would you ever want to go and play ball? You, can, you can't even put your hand to your nose. You're useless. You are the most worthless child we have ever had. You're a joke. We've heard those words. And as if it was a mandate by someone who was in control, we started to live our lives to those words. We started to say, I'll never amount to anything, so why try? I'll never have any value in the kingdom of God, so why would Pastor Kyle want me to do that? I, I don't have any value. Here at the end of this service, there'll be an announcement. You know, we need workers. And some of you are going to, some of you are going to look at that announcement and go, "Well, <laughs> I sure couldn't do that." I mean, I couldn't greet at the door. Nobody likes me. I, I, I couldn't work with kids. I'd want to kill them. <laughs> well, that may be truth. <laughs> And we have bought ourselves into this, this lie that Satan has told us. You have no value. You're useless. But what would happen in our homes, in our marriages, in this life of this church? What would happen if we could turn the vocabulary of our homes from saying something like, you are the most worthless child in the world? What happens if we could turn it and we could say, you're are the, you are, you're the most wonderful child a parent could ever have. What would happen if we begin to say to our children, you have unlimited potential. You're going to be the greatest teacher this school system has ever had. You're going to be the greatest ditch digger this county has ever had. You're going to be the greatest farmer we've ever seen. You're going to be the greatest preacher in the whole wide world. You're going to be the greatest. What would happen if we turned our vocabulary? And we quit saying, well, I don't know if you could do that or not. How do you know? How do you know that they can't? And the reality is you don't. You don't. I think we need to understand that God wants to speak into our lives. He wants to speak into the future as your, of your spouse. I think we should be saying things like, you're the most wonderful wife, the most wonderful husband I've ever seen. You're supposed to say amen at that point. Amen. You guys are a little slow, aren't you? <laughs> Not enough coffee or what? Hey, I've got some Dr. Pepper. We're glad to share with you. Okay, but wake up. All right. Hey, so, so I think you need to be saying great things to your spouse. I think you need to be speaking the future into your children. Okay. I think you need to speak the future into yourself. We're not very good about talking about ourselves. I'm terrible. My wife is, she didn't amen. Thank you. But. I have a hard time when I adjust and look at myself to see, the, to see the value of who I am. I downplay me all the time. Anybody understand that? You don't want to confess it. I understand. <laughs> what must happen if we could change the way that we speak to our future, our spouse, our children, ourselves? What happens if we said words like, you are favored in our home? You are loved in this place. 
You are blessed. You are anointed. You are chosen. You are set apart. You are a child of the most high God. You are forgiven. You are cleansed. You are sanctified. You are a chosen child of God. What would happen if we could change the way we look at ourselves and we talk to each other? I love the way that John Maxwell says, if we could put numbers on our foreheads of our individuals and we could put the letter, the number 10 right here, and we could begin to treat every person as a 10 rather than a 2. Because sometimes if we're not careful, we'll treat people as 2s, 3s, and 4s. And if they have money and they're the right person, the right position, then we move them to 10. What happens if we saw everybody as a 10 in our life? Change the way we would treat people. So if we're going to do that, then we have to speak the future into our children and to those around us and to ourselves. Let's look at verse 13 now. And Gideon said, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened? He says, if the Lord is with us. You see, at this point, the, the, this angel has come down and he's been speaking into his life. And he said these incredible words to Gideon. Oh, valiant warrior. And Gideon is having a hard time getting his mind around this truth that God is looking at him as a mighty valiant warrior. In fact, is he still doesn't believe. He's still not convinced. And sometimes if we're not careful, we become just like Gideon and we say, well, God, if you're really in on this deal, where are the miracles? I don't see you doing anything God, great. So God, you must not be here. You must not care about my life. You're not involved in my family. So I'm not for sure if I really want to buy into this. But the truth is, even in the midst of his unbelief, God was still believing in him. And God has not given up on you. You say, well, you know, I'm, I'm kind of so-so on this commitment thing to Jesus. I'm not for sure if I want to buy in all the way. Well, whether you buy in all the way or not does not diminish his love to you this morning. Here's the way we work in relationships. As long as you're kind to me, I'm kind to you. Right? Hello? Nod your head. Okay. More caffeine in your coffee out in the foyer. (laughs) You like me, I like you. Okay? What happens if they don't like me? Then how do we treat them? We treat them differently than if they like us. Jesus, how does he treat you? When you didn't like him. He died for you on a mountain. See, Jesus, the way he responds to you is not dictated by your response to him. Ooh, thank God. It's dictated by his love in his heart, his passion for you. What happens if we could treat each other the way Jesus treats us? In other words, we could love each other not because of performance, just because of who you are. <laughs> wow. So verse 14, then the Lord looked at him and said, go in this, your strength and deliver Israel from the hand of the Midian. Have I not sent you? And so he's saying to him, go in this, your strength. It's not your strength. Don't, don't go in this, your, your strength, but go in the strength of the Lord. And, and God is infusing him with power. It's not his own power. It's not his own strength, but God wants to infuse into him 
who he was, who God was. And I believe that God would love to infuse into you his presence and his power. Now look at verse 14. And he says, go in, in, in all of that. Go in your strength and deliver Israel. from. And have I not sent you? In verse 15. And he said to him, O Lord, how shall I deliver Israel? Now, you read that and you kind of go, well, just kind of the continued voice in that. You just go, well, how, O Lord, how, you know, behold, my family is in the least and I'm the youngest. And, but I, I don't really picture that. I picture it this way with Gideon. Oh, Lord, you don't understand. You don't know where I've come from. You don't know my past. It's that voice that drives you nuts. It's that voice you said to your children. If you keep, if you keep saying that right now. I think he's whining to God. It's almost like Moses. I'm sorry, God, you've got the wrong guy. I don't speak good. I don't look good. And besides my, well, you know, this guy over here, he's really good with words. I'm not so good. And God is going, no, 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 no. Good try, valiant effort, not going to work. Verse 16. But the Lord said to him, surely I will be with you and you shall defeat Midian as one man. But I will be with you. And you shall defeat the enemy. You see, God in you and together you win in the kingdom of God when it's God on your side and God living in you and flowing through you. So, so Gideon, he's heard these words, O Valley Warrior. He's heard all of this. He's kind of thinking about all this. Okay, this all sounds good. I know what I should do. Okay, okay. Verse 19 and 20. So the, he's thinking, well, maybe I should offer a sacrifice and we'll kind of nail this thing down. We'll, We'll have a little prayer at the altar, and we'll get this all worked out. So he fixes the meal, and the Bible says that he took, the, took the, his elements, and he, he put them all over the rock. And then the Bible says that he took his staff, and he went, and fire consumed the sacrifice. It was almost as if it's the Moses story again. And he took his rod, and he parted the water. And can you imagine what Moses must have been thinking when, he, when God said, hold that staff out there? I mean, what would you do if God told you, go out to the river, hold the staff out? It'll, believe me, it's going to part. And you're going, <laughs> there are two million people watching this. I know, not a chance. I'm not going out there. I'm, okay, I'm going. <laughs> and so Gideon takes his staff. The fire, is, the fire consumes the sacrifice. And look at verse 22. And when Gideon saw that he was... That he was the angel of the Lord. He said, Alas, O Lord God, for now I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. And the Lord said to him, Peace to you. Do not fear. You shall not die. And this encounter in verse 22 becomes the final part of his change. And he names the place the place of peace. And I would say to you, there is a point in all of our lives when we surrender our wills to the Lord and we say, Okay. This looks impossible. This looks like it's the fathers from the truth. But I'm going to trust that you're going to lead and guide. And so there is a moment when we kneel or we confess or we say wherever we're at, God, your will be done in my life. I surrender my will and I surrender my authority. And okay, I, it looks like it's the most unbelievable thing, but I'm going to trust you that you're going to lead in, the, in that life. And when that happens, we can name that place the place of peace. Have you ever had your place of peace in your life? When you have come to the point where you have surrendered everything that you are 
You quit battling the battle and you surrendered. So Gideon, not quite for sure yet, nails it down with a couple of things that he does as he prays and does this fleece thing. And here's what I want to say to you, and I hope you'll grasp this at this point. God had spoken into his life, and he had said, I don't care about your past, and I don't care what's happened in your life, and I don't care how you were raised, and I don't care what somebody said to you. I'm saying to you, Gideon, you are a valiant warrior to me. You have value in the kingdom. You have great potential. And so I'm about to use you like you have never been used before. Now, at this point, God's about to do something with Gideon that's mind-boggling. You remember Gideon down in the valley in the wine press? God's about to take him to the top of the mountain. And God's about to use him. And so God says, Gideon, Hey, listen, you know all these guys that have been beating up on you for seven years? I got great news for you. You are going to whip their tails today. And he's like, really? Yeah. I want you to put out the call, call all of the warriors of Israel, bring them all in, and we are going to go against the Midianites. Okay, great. Woo! Hey! So he calls out, and the word goes out, and 32,000 soldiers come in. Man, if I'm getting, I'm thinking, whoo, baby, we are going to have some victory today. So God goes back into conversation with Gideon. Hey, Gideon, yeah, um, uh, you've got 32,000 soldiers. Oh, yeah, I know, God, this is going to be awesome. We're going to like this. It's going to be incredible. Yeah, um, you have too many. <laughs> Have you ever been praying and you thought you heard God say something? You're like, no, not a chance. I've been been Gideon. What do you mean we have too many? We've been captive. We're going to be free. No, you have too many because Gideon, if I let you have 32,000 soldiers, you'll think you won the battle. All right. If you want to go home to mama, you can leave. And thousands of soldiers left. I'm not talking hundreds, thousands left. 22,000 soldiers went home to mama. It's like, okay, well, hey, listen, you know, I've heard from God. I've been in the wine press. I know the God. I'm a valiant warrior. We're going to do this thing. Okay, everybody get ready. We're 10,000 strong. We're knocking them out. Hey, uh, Gideon, Gideon, what? 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 Come on, God, we're ready to go. No, no, Gideon. Um, I hate to tell you this, (laughs) Uh, but you have too many guys. Are you kidding me? Yeah, no, (laughs) I'm not. Because you're still going to think it's about you. You're going to make this about you, and it's not about you. It's about me. So let's have a water drinking contest. What a great idea. If they drink the wrong way, send them home. And when they got done lapping and drinking water, 9,700 soldiers went home. Now, if you're good at math, you realize we're down to 300. 
And if you're not good at math, you, you know, you don't care. So you have, you're down to 300. God is going, okay, I think that's about right, Gideon. If I had been Gideon, I'd have been thinking, he's going to go down to one, isn't he? That's the next one. So 300, and God says to him, okay, now Gideon, I, I know you don't have any weapons. Gideon's going, no joke. And I know you don't have enough soldiers. Yeah, really? Okay, uh, now here's what we're going to do. You're going to go up to that mountain. They're down in the valley. You're going to go around, and you're going to circle it. Okay. Yeah, and you're going to take lamps. Lamps? Yeah. That's your weapon. Please. Nope. I'm telling you. I want you to go. Okay. Are you sure? Yeah. It's like, Kyle, when God comes to you and goes, I want you to go to Columbus. Are you sure? (laughs) How many do we have to lose? But we can't do it without. (sighs) What are we going to? And then you're like, I don't want to argue with him anymore. He's liable to start another church. And then I'll lose another half of the group. So I'm done. I'm happy. (laughs) Okay, God, we'll do Columbus, whatever. And God comes to Gideon, and Gideon goes, okay, we'll go. We'll go to that mountain, and we'll do what you're saying. You know what caused Gideon to go from the wine press to the mountaintop? It's when the the Lord of hosts said to him, O valiant warrior, Daddy, you could speak into these two boys' lives and change their futures. You could speak into your child's life and change their very future for who they are. You're not a wimp. You're a warrior. You're not going to be defeated. You are going to be the defeator. You are not going to lose. You're going to win. You are a valiant warrior. And Gideon goes, Hilltop, here we come. You know the story. Take those lamps, throw them down. Start screaming and yelling. Ah! I told Kyle early in the first services, it's kind of like when Pittsburgh would win the national championship. The whole town goes crazy. All right? That's what it would be. Oh, wow. And, and the Midnights started getting all confused and started killing each other. And then they ran out and the Israelites won. And Gideon's standing up on top of the mountain and he hasn't moved. And they're like going, well, look at those... Oh. And they are crazy. Look at them. They're killing each other. <laughs> yeah, I know. God told me that. <laughs> and the victory was won in their life. See, what happened? What changed? Something happened in the wine press of life, and it changed him forever. What about you? Some of you had some people that said and spoke into your life, and they said, you're the most ridiculous excuse of a child that we've ever had. Some of you have heard the words that I've already quoted, you're never will amount to anything. Why would you ever want to try that? You know you can't do it. And it's as if we've almost lived up to what they spoke. But what would happen today 
What would happen today if the grip of the past was broken by the words of the future? So would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? Father, we believe, just as in the first service, there are people here this morning who have been bound by the past. They have lived up or lived down to the words that someone has spoken to their life. God, today would you break those chains? There are some here today who, like me, have a tendency to speak negative to people around them and and even into their own lives. And so, God, we pray somehow you would change us from the inside out. There's some 70-year-olds who have lived with those words all of their lives. And today, you'd like to set them free. There are some 40-year-olds and 50-year-old parents who've got some teens. And right now, they're thinking, I wish we'd have heard this message 15 years ago. Because I'm guilty of that. Oh, God, I'm so sorry. There's some young men and some young women here today who if they would say yes to you and allow you to speak into their life, this morning you will change the trajectory of their lives and they will move from where they were going to go to where you want them to go. Not because of who they are or what they've done. It's because you are speaking into their life, oh, valiant warrior. So God, give us honesty in these moments. There's some husbands and wives that will have to stand together this morning. There's some teenagers that are going to have to say, okay, I could do that. There's some 70-year-olds and 50-year-olds and some 60-year-olds that are going, you know, we've lived with this all of our lives. And God, we'd like to be free from it today. God, speak right now into our lives. And as we stand in these moments, may our surrender be sweet. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed, no one's looking around. You don't have to worry about anybody else. This is not a performance deal today. This is I want to be free, and I want to see the potential of what God wants to do in my life. And you'd say, Pastor Phil, I want you to pray for me because I want to be a valiant warrior. I want to break the chains that have held me back. And I want to be free this morning for what what God wants to do in my life. You'd say, I want you to pray for me. I want you to stand right now where you're at, all across the sanctuary. From the 70-year-olds to the 15-year-olds, you're saying, I want you to pray, God. I want you to pray, Pastor Phil, to God that he would help us to change our home and our futures for his glory. Wherever you're at. Whatever you're doing right now, whatever you're thinking, let God do a work right now. Would you just join us in standing? Those who God is speaking to and you say, I want you to pray for me, Pastor Phil. I want you just to stand right now. Just stand right where you're at. Just stand as couples, as families, as grandparents, teenagers. You're saying, pray for me, Pastor. 
that we will be valiant warriors, will change the trajectory of our family and our homes and our dreams. I'm choosing today, I'm choosing today to become and to hear the words from God, oh, valiant warrior. Now you got to understand, I don't do long altar calls, so I want to give you one more shot, then we're going to pray. You're saying, God, here am I. Here's my family. Here's my husband. Here's my wife. You're a teenager. You're thinking, okay, God, you're you're getting ready to wreck everything. Yeah, he knows. He knows. Anybody else? Age is not a limit today. Let me pray for you. God in heaven, we take these holy moments and I guess we we confess to you that we're sorry that somehow we let Satan convince us of the lies of the past. But right now as we stand as individuals and families all across this sanctuary, we are choosing today to hear the words of an almighty God speak into our life and tell us we are valiant warriors for the kingdom of God. And God right now, go to to hearts and go to lives and go to minds and go to memories. And where things need to be taken care of in the past, God, right now, break every chain and set them free. They don't have to talk like dad and live like dad. They don't have to be like mom. Those chains can be broken. They don't have to be like that teacher that has talked down and told them they never have a chance and they never live up. God, right now, break those chains, those memory words. God, set us free from the words of the past and help us to live to the words of the future. I pray, oh God, that your work right now would be deep in this group. I'm not talking about service level. and I'm not talking about just kind of getting by. I'm talking about a deep, deep, deep work of God right now. Help us to change the way we talk to each other and we talk to ourselves. And I believe when that happens, God, it's going to change the way we talk to you and the way we hear you. God, you're speaking into our lives right now. Oh, valiant warrior. Oh, valiant warrior. Oh, valiant warrior. Satan, you have thought you had won in our lives. And today has wrecked your plans. So I speak to you directly right now. In the authority of Jesus Christ, I cast you from this place and I cast you from the lives of these wonderful people. You have no more authority No more room. You have no more words in their lives. 
And I pray now that the Holy Spirit would come and fill up the gap where Satan has been forced to leave in homes and in marriages and lives. That you would redirect potentials and futures. And God, all of this would be done to your glory and your honor. We want nothing more than to be a people and a church that are living out what you desire for us to be for your glory. Now, we're yours. To be used as you see fit for your glory. Thank you. Thank you for making us valiant warriors for you. In Christ's powerful name, we pray these things. And you may be seated. Pastor Kyle. Amen. Amen. Did you enjoy that? Amen.